Welcome to I'm Game with Fred Croner. Today I'm joined by Mike Glosser, the wrestling coach at uh, for the Oakwood Salt Fork program. They have had just a fantastic season. Uh, fourth place in the uh, Class 1A state dual uh, series, which ended last weekend and the weekend before. Uh, an individual runner-up uh, in the individual tournament at the uh, State Farm Center in Champaign and Reef uh, Paycott. Mike, uh, first of all, welcome and congratulations on a terrific year. Yeah, thanks for having me on here. This first podcast I've ever done. Well, how about that? I, I've done no guys. So I'm probably closing in on about 150 now. I'm not exactly sure. So uh, nice <laughs> to be in there. <laughs> well, would you say, was this pretty much a, a dream season uh, in terms of everything that happened, both for the team and, and individuals this year? Uh, yeah. When you look back on it, you can't, I mean, you can always want more for sure. But at the end of the year, when you kind of reflect on everything, which we've kind of done these past few days, it was a pretty special season. I mean, you have your most kids that you've ever had go to state. Uh, you had a state finalist, first ever regional championship in my coaching career, and then get to go to the Elite Eight and win the first round of the Final Four and get state medals for all your kids. I mean, it was a pretty special year. It kind of makes you hungry for the next few years. Well, and the, the bar has been set pretty high now, right? Yeah, we're we're hoping that these younger kids can kind of feed off this success because we no, we've got uh, some good kids coming up through our feeder program with Vince Chambliss and the Storm Youth Program. So it hopefully just keeps moving forward for us. You know, to me, I, I don't think there's any coincidence that one of the reasons why you, you have some strong wrestlers uh, in the high school program, you, you've got kids that like consecutive weight classes that can work out. I, I think of like uh, Edwards and Hugo at 106 and 113 and uh, Kapansky and, and Paycott at 152 and 145. And, and that's got to help everybody to have that kind of competition in the practice room, doesn't it? A hundred percent. The competition is what breeds the success. So when you can find it on a daily basis and go to war with your own teammates every day, um, you're only going to see success if you can get the kids to handle that process uh, mentally the right way. Because um, to some people don't like those kind of environments on a daily basis. And our kids from an early age growing up through their feeder program, they've kind of just been bred to compete on a daily basis with their teammates and they've come through tough practice rooms through youth right into high school um, so a hundred percent it affects it in a positive way for these guys because they kind of thrive off of that competition in the room and they carry it right over into our matches so do you sometimes have to hold them back a little bit in practice so they don't beat each other up and uh, you know get, get yeah, you, <laughs> you can definitely see in different groups when it's time to change partners and maybe get them with a different partner too but overall it's a pretty tight knit group too and and you know they know at the end of the day when they start roughing it up a little bit we're not taking it we we have a big mentality where we like wrestling hard but we're not going to wrestle cheap. And we kind of do the same thing in the wrestling room, in the practice room. They wrestle hard, but it never goes to the cheap parts of it. They know that that's not what we're about, and they do a great job with that. So you took over the uh, the Oakwood Salt Ford program 12 years ago. Actually, at that time, was it just Oakwood, or we were Salt Ford? Um, actually, at that time, it was Oakwood, Armstrong, and Potomac. Uh, they called us OAP Wrestling. And it was like that for my first few years, but we only would get like one to two to three kids every year. They didn't have a youth program over there. It just, so then after a few years, they ended up canceling the co-op and we went Oakwood by ourselves for a year or two until we kind of made this magic happen uh, with the, with the salt fork. And it's been awesome ever since then. 
When I, I look back in, in some records I had, and I mean, you took over what was, I would say, a fairly solid program because prior to you being there, I think in dual meets, they had winning seasons 15 out of the 16 previous years. And so, you know, your first year, you kind of get a little adjustment, I think eight and 12 or something your first year. And then now, you know, 11 straight winning seasons and, and three 21 seasons in the last, I don't know, five or six years. What, what's it kind of taken to get from the point where you, you started to where you're at now? Yeah, well, uh, Dave Markwell actually reached out to me because he retired and then uh, somebody else took over the program for a couple of years and in their last in their second year with the program, um, they were two and 19 and only had like six or eight kids on the team. So Dave Markwell reached out to me and had an opportunity for come down here and kind of get it rolling again. And I'm always up for a challenge. So when I saw that, the, how the success that they and I knew Coach Markwell, he coached my dad and little league baseball uh back in cumberland because that's where our families are from so kind of had a family connection there too and i knew his history of success and i knew that that was something I, I would take pride in to get it back to that point for him and his hall of fame career so i knew coming in that first year taking over after they had just kind of fallen off the year before that it was going to be some struggles but i had the goal i don't want it to be a, a small school roller coaster program where you're only successful when you have a wave of kids come through and then you have some down years and then you'll have some up years I, I came in with every intention of creating a culture of winning and success and i didn't want it to be a three every three year type of deal i wanted it to be a consistent success i knew what I had to do, I had to get the kids around the right type of leaders and assistant coaches and boost our schedule up and get them to compete and have fun. And it's been a it's been a fun journey because I, I I love pressure and situations and going for biting off more than I can chew and choking on it rather than settling uh, for mediocrity. So it's been a fun journey. I'm sure one of the first things you had to do is you had to just increase the numbers. You had to have more than six or eight kids out. So how, how did you go about that? You know, getting uh, some kids interested and in, in just coming out for wrestling. I walked the halls. I'd go over to the high school on my lunch break for an hour, almost every day. My first few years, I would go into the cafeteria. I would be loud, make announcements, be goofy, kind of make kids be like, who is this dude? Like, I might give this a shot if you've never thought about it. And I would just pick random kids out. And then being at the grade school, um, the first few years, it, it didn't really pay off for me, but building the relationships with the community and the families at the grade school and the kids, they all had older brothers, older sisters, and now they're starting to feed into the high school. And so I've kindergarten through 12th grade, I've seen every single kid in Oakwood by now. And it makes it a little bit easier on the recruiting pitch um, to get these kids to want to come out and have some fun and be part of it. So uh, I just lived in the hallways and nonstop recruit, recruit, recruit. So I, I like, uh, I like stuff like that, getting kids to get outside their comfort zones, try something that maybe they haven't tried before, get back into something. Maybe they'd given up on the last few years. So it, it took a couple of years, but I mean, we've been over 20 kids now for a couple of years and I'm hoping that the success keeps the numbers in the sport growing for us too. And like you say, you're, you're at the elementary school where you're a K through six uh, PE teacher. Is that one of the points you make to the kids is that, uh, you know, hey, I'm the wrestling coach and you need to consider that when you get a little older or, or not? 
Oh, absolutely. And what's even cooler is uh, one of the guys I work with is the junior high basketball coach, the grade school basketball coach was a former Parker Lee. He was one of the former standouts in Oakwood sports. So we work side by side every day and and we do really well together. You're either going to wrestle or you're going to play basketball, but we're doing something in the winter. So we both stay on these kids recruiting them, but we have fun with it as well because we both want the, want the kids to do what they want to do at the end of the day. So uh, we make sure that we work with them, but with both of us in there, you're going to do something. So do, you, do you have uh, units on wrestling to kind of introduce them to some of the basics at that age or not? No, we don't, but we have a lot of basketball units. So it kind of, I kind of hurt myself in the recruiting because we do a lot of basketball, but zero wrestling. Every once in a while, I'll get a mat out if I have uh, permission from a couple parents and I'll show them what a couple moves look like. But no, uh, it, it got our numbers up in youth because I ran our Oakwood youth program this year. Um, the coach from the last few years didn't do it this year. So I took over and we got up to 20, 25 kids and getting them excited about it coming into the school. And then we talk about it in the classroom and the gym, and then they get their buddies excited about it. That's starting to help uh, grow the recruiting a little bit too. Well, you mentioned a little bit ago that you wanted to create a program where, you know, it was going to be consistent year after year, rather than just, you know, write a, a great group of athletes through from their freshman to senior years and as I look back now, this was the fifth straight year you've had a kid in a state championship match. Uh, this started in 2019 with Mason uh, Agister. Am I saying that name right? Eister. Yeah, his little brother is Jack Eister. He's a freshman okay. on my team this year. And then 2020, Gage Reed, who uh, actually was a state champion. And 2021, Joe Lachey, uh, who was a state champion when it was the IWCOA, had to do it that year during the COVID year. And then Joe again in 2022 and Reef this year. So, I mean, I, I think you, you've pretty much accomplished that goal. I mean, that's not just one group of athletes now to, to you know, be able to compete at that highest level, is it? Yeah, it's um, it, you kind of come in with a new standard um, and goals and expectations in that room. And the cool thing is, is uh, when you start having that success with those first few in the room, the kids believe that it can happen. And, and you can just see it. They, they've trained with these guys. They've competed with these guys in the same little – pole barn outside the high school in the back corner at Oakwood in his small little towns. Like it doesn't take a million dollar facility. It doesn't take a bunch of division one coaches or guys training you to get these state titles. It can get done in this room. And these guys are starting to truly believe it. And with kids, when they start to believe in something, you see special things happen. I, we always tell them, Hey, you're writing your story right here, man. There's going to be ups and downs, but the belief has to stay and you have to trust the process, don't rush the process. And they've all started putting in the work outside the room. Um, we don't cut a lot of weight in our program anymore. We're really big into nutrition and weightlifting and starting to beef these guys up. I mean, as soon as Joe Lashaway started worrying about his weight and just started really focused on health and fitness, he turned into a monster. Reef Paycott had always been light. We went up a couple weight classes to 145 this year. And I think at state, he was only weighing 142, 143. I mean, the last thing that these guys were doing was worrying about and focusing on cutting weight. They were in the room. They didn't have to come to practice. They got to come to practice and they, they got to come in and wrestle and just worry about wrestling and having fun wrestling instead of all the extra stuff that sometimes puts a lot of pressure on kids. So I think with the belief and seeing their teammates doing it and then buying into kind of our philosophies and process the last few years and these kids that have had this success have all put 
ungodly amount of work in the off season. And these younger guys know that there's no magic formula or potion to the success chain. It's just put the work in and it doesn't really stop at the end of the season. That's kind of when it gets started. And that's when you find out who your champions are going to be. I think you touched on a key point there because when, when kids are not cutting weight, I think that's beneficial to, you know, not having burnout, not having, you know, have other things on the mind like, oh gosh, you know, am I going to be a quarter pound over something like that? And and so that is, I would say, is a, a significant factor. Would you agree there? I 100% agree. I, I was a guy that did cut a little bit of weight. And then when I got into fighting, I cut a lot of bit of weight. And so when I first come into coaching, I'm still fighting, I'm still coaching, and I'm still in that mindset where I'm going to be dropping 20 pounds, 25 pounds. And so I didn't, I had some wrestlers that would cut a little bit of weight. They always kept it within the guidelines and, and the rules of the body fat testing, but you could just see a, the day or two leading up to a match or uh, a weekend tournament when they had to make a second day weigh in and you see them not be able to have certain meals or have to go run the night before. I mean, some kids can handle that and some kids are beasts with that. Uh, but as a coach in my 12 years now, I've had the luxury of seeing kids do that and kids not do that. And in my opinion, uh, my kids that love wrestling at the end of their four years are the kids that didn't have to worry a lot about their weight and the extra grind of the sport. They were just having fun. They wanted to learn new moves. They were some of my hardest workers in conditioning because they weren't doing it to cut weight. They were doing it to compete to be the hardest worker during every single session. And they had lots of energy. So over the years, I've kind of changed. And do I regret maybe some of the things I let go down my first few years and didn't make kids go to higher weight classes? Maybe, but hindsight's twenty twenty, and you, that's that's how you learn. And I for sure become a better coach, I think, because of the way we do things now and not cutting weight and having more fun in the room and the kids interacting and enjoying being in there. It's just a it's a different environment. What was your background in wrestling growing up? Um, I, I'm from Mattoon, um, Illinois. So I grew up in Mattoon, started wrestling when I was like five years old for a guy by the name of Mike Bonick, who is was a great youth coach, um, still is very respected in the wrestling community as far as that goes. And I was trained by some Division One wrestlers, the Stanley brothers and the French brothers. And then uh, in college, I decided to go to Eastern and I went into their They cut the wrestling program in 07. So we all transitioned to fighting. And in college, I was training with four-time state champs from Lombard Montini, uh, Chase Beebe, and different guys like that who are legends in the sport of IHSA wrestling. And that's kind of my wrestling kind of took off in five, six, seven years of fighting and training with a bunch of college wrestlers and that type of environment and the discipline and the meal plans and everything that goes into it, which kind of put a new passion into me and made me want to go into high school and coach and get the most out of kids um, at an earlier age to maybe give them an opportunity to move on to the next level in their sports or figure out what they want to do in life. So that's kind of how I started out in the sport and how I kind of got here. So going into college, did you see yourself as a future coach or is that something that just kind of materialized down the road? No, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. It was either go play like some maybe go into like some small school baseball or become a fighter or try to go somewhere and try to wrestle. Um, and I was also a soccer player, but I knew I wasn't going to do that after high school. Um, and then I had a couple of buddies that were fighters and kind of went in for a couple of weeks and uh, started doing a little fighting. And he was like, uh, if you think you're going to be bad like this, let's go 
take a fight. So after like two weeks of training, he drove me to Iowa and got me in a fight. And I loved it ever since I got the bug. So then I started training a lot more wrestling. And whenever my wrestling level kind of went to that next level through all of that training, um, I wanted to be involved in sports. I didn't necessarily know if I wanted to be a coach, but I needed to find a way to be involved in sports. And uh, I had just turned professional fighting and started helping Cumberland High School for a year. Coach Jim Miller, actually a mentor of mine, reached out, Hall of Famer, uh, for coaching wrestling and asked me to come help for a year. And so I went and while I was training and doing my student teaching, I was going to Cumberland and coaching for a year. And he kind of gave me that bug a little bit and made me realize I could do some special things for kids. And then he's best friends with Dave Markwell who called and I was, so then in those last few years of school and all of that, I changed my major to get a teaching degree so I could go into it so I could coach. So it wasn't really until my last few years of my seven year college career that I kind of got the coaching bug. And now I don't, don't know what I'm going to do because I got a new family, younger kids. I don't know how long I'm going to coach for. <laughs> How, how difficult was the transition, though, to go from being a high school assistant coach to being the head coach to going in charge? Is that because uh, there's, you know, everybody know, I mean, it's not just coaching anymore. I mean, there's there's paperwork and uh, all sorts of other things you have to deal with. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like being a head coach. I tell people all the time, like, I don't want to be a head coach. I tell Chambliss, Vince Chambliss, my assistant all the time when Bryce Ivey was my assistant. I was like, I'm about to turn this over to you guys because I've always been the guy I don't. I don't really like my name on things. I don't like being the person that is in charge of things. Like I love wrestling and I love competing and I love being around kids and the mental side of sports and life and getting kids to believe in themselves, overcome adversity. I just want to be the dude in the room that is just training kids and being around kids and competing with kids and getting them to believe in themselves. I, I don't, I mean, I mean, you know, I am terrible with emails. I don't do paperwork. It's usually the last minute when I get stuff turned in. Uh, I'm very, I guess I probably shouldn't admit all this stuff in podcasts, but I'm, I keep it real with everything I do. I'm just, I'm not professional. Like people would say what they consider professional when it comes to like the paperwork, you come into my gym and my kids are having a great time and we're doing everything we're supposed to be doing. You come in my wrestling room, we're, we're going to be getting after it, but the paperwork, the emails, the stuff like that, it's just, to me, when I use my energy on all that stuff, it, it takes away from the energy I have on all the other stuff. So I, I don't know why I've been a head coach for this long. I just got to get somebody to step up for me and let me be the behind the scenes guy. <laughs> well, you mentioned Vince Chambliss, and I want to talk about him because for I don't know how many years now, he's been the guy in charge of the, uh, the youth program. And one of the things I found interesting is not, and of course, he had a, a Catlin or Salt Fork background, but it's not just the Oakwood Salt Fork kids. I mean, he told me he's got kids from Hoopston and Georgetown. And so, I mean, you've got a number of, of kids that you're training from throughout Vermilion County at, at those younger levels, don't you? Yeah, he does a great job. And um, he first started out when Reef was like younger and he took over that youth program. And it's just, it's just kept growing and growing and growing. And at that level um, and the way sports are now, everybody's looking for the best room to be part of because that competition breeds the success. So he's just kind of drawn in kids from all these other local little towns. I know there's a lot of Oakwood kids that go over there um, and he does a great job. I mean, 90% of our state team, if not more than that, wrestled for Vince Chambliss and youth. I mean, 106 Braden Edwards came up through Chambliss trained, 113 Huckel, 20 Eister, 26 Rangel, 32 Chambliss, Paycott, Taylor Owens, Kapansky, Blake Barney, um, all these uh, 
Dalton Brown, all these guys wrestled for Vince Chambliss and youth and the list goes on. There's more. And then all our feeder program for the next three or four years are all going to be kids that come through Vince. And I'm a big believer in you don't have success at the high school level as a team without a great feeder program. And that was the reason that I wanted to go to Salt Fork for the co-op. And now you're kind of seeing the method behind the madness. It's all kind of paying off. And hopefully we have some fun for the next few years with it too. Well, and I would think, I mean, even if he's, you know, helping train and develop kids that wind up at, at Hoopson or Georgetown, it's still going to help your program because when you wrestle those schools, you're going to have some quality competition. You're not going to maybe put a kid out there and all of a sudden they're going to get a forfeit because they can't fill a weight class. So, you know, I would think, you know, it's, it's beyond just your program that, that he's helping and, and impacting, right? Yeah, there's multiple kids, Westville, Hoopson and Bismarck, Danville, uh, some St. Joe kids back in the day, there's multiple kids that have wrestled for him. So it definitely grows the competition in the area, which is definitely nice. And you kind of saw that at the conference and County meet this year. It was a pretty competitive night between uh, all the teams. And you've got, now you've got dudes that have went and wrestled in college and have come back and are running these high school programs like Austin Hedrick at Westville and Cody Miller at Bismarck. I mean, these guys went and got in college rooms and that other level of experience and have come back and are given back to these small little communities. So I feel like the sport's only going to keep growing in this area. Well, I want to make sure we talk a little bit about Taylor Owens because uh, she was your first state qualifier this year. Uh, won the first match by a, a girl at, at the state tournament. I think she wound up with a one and two record, but uh, talk about making that breakthrough, uh, being able to get a girl to the, to the state uh, meet in just the second year that they've had uh, girls wrestling. Yeah, it, for sure. It's a great accomplishment and we're super proud of her, but um, we kind of knew Taylor had the ability to do this. She's a beast. Um, she's crazy flexible. Um, sometimes we'll put herself in bad situations and you're like, ah, and then she finds a way to wiggle out. And if she gets on top of you, she's a hammer on top. Uh, she's trained with boys her whole life. She came out of the Chambliss trained room with the intensity of that room. And she came right in and I want to say she was over 500 possibly or close to it on my varsity lineup. And that was competing against boys and girls, mostly boys. Um, so we know we have a competitor with Taylor and we've got some big goals for her moving forward. Uh, no pressure or anything like that. But if this girl keeps putting in work, she's going to, she's going to write the history for girls wrestling and for these others to come up. Cause she's got a little sister in youth wrestling. That's going to be a hammer. There's some other girls for uh, coach Chambliss on his team that are going to be some hammers. So I think she has every intentions of leaving some big footsteps for these girls to follow in the next three years. Well, exactly. And, you know, like you say, she's just a freshman, so it, uh, she's got a lot of her career yet ahead of her. Yeah, and she's a competitor, so she's only going to get better. All right. Well, we've been talking today with Mike Losser, the head coach of the Oakwood Salt Fork Wrestling Program that, uh, again, uh, had a fourth-place team finish in the, in the team dual series, uh, had an individual state runner-up in Reef Paycott. Uh, coach, before we let you go, anything else you would like to add? No, I appreciate you having me on and uh, letting me talk about the team and the guys. And thanks for covering these kids these last few weeks. Well, absolutely. And uh, it's been quite a year. And I imagine uh, some of the kids are already starting to think about next year, right? Oh, I've already had messages all day yesterday. Uh, they, they've got the fever now. They're all wanting to get back in the room. When can we get back in? When can we do this and that? So let's hope the excitement goes through the summer as well. No doubt. Okay. Thanks again for your time and best wishes. Hey, thank you, sir.